What makes you different makes you great. And that's a combo fact. Do they hear us now? Good. <laughs> combo Nation. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 317 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune in to Combo's Court Podcast. If you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, leave a five-star rating, a friendly comment, and punch down on that follow button for the Apple Podcast app. Don't forget to share this episode. Share it with a friend. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook. Share it on your IG stories and tag me at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Tweet this episode out, man. Tweet it out and tag me on Twitter at Combo's Court. Same name as the podcast. C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. Today's show, Coleman Ayers of By Any Means Basketball joins in to talk skill, development, and more. Go subscribe to By Any Means Basketball on YouTube. And there we have it. Here you have it. A skill development-centric episode of Combos Court. Can't wait for you all to hear it. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. by any means basketball welcome to combos court man how you feeling today i'm good man i'm good man thanks for having me and uh taking the time to talk yeah even before josh reached out um i actually came across one of your videos that came across my youtube youtube algorithms you have a great youtube page you're over 300k from what i believe now in terms of subscribers uh we'll get to that in a second but tell me more about by any means basketball yeah, man. So it's kind of something I started uh, a long time and has been in the works or project I've been uh, really kind of devoted my life to so far. Um, so I started it when I was about 16 years old, honestly. Um, so I grew up in Washington, D.C., long story short, hooped all the way up through uh, high school, um, played with, you know, a really good collection of, of athletes um, in the D.C. area. But that kind of led me to without going too deep into, into my background, um, starting training at 15 or 16 years old. So I was the weirdo nerd who would just be like reading scientific research and stuff and diving into how to make athletes better at like 15, 16. But I guess I got so carried away with uh, the training part or the training uh, journey that, you know, that really became my, my main love. So started kind of training at 15, 16 years old, you know, just a couple of teammates started to grow a little bit, nothing crazy. Um, and I started by any means as kind of something to just document my progress as a player, but more so um, a trainer. So started just kind of posting educational content that now I look back on and it's absolutely terrible. But, um, you know, that's that's the nature of everything. As you learn, you look back and you're like, damn, that was bad. Um, but I was, you know, putting out YouTube videos really just for myself to 
study film and, and get reps in terms of talking about um, the game of basketball and everything that goes into training. It started to take off a little bit. Um, chose not to hoop in college because it started to take off and I really enjoyed um, the training side more and felt like I could get more from that in the long term. Um, so came down here to, uh, to Miami about five, six years ago, started training down here and, um, you know, to fast forward that five or six years. Now I got this gym, um, that I'm in right now at Detail Miami, which I recently opened up under the, uh, by any means basketball name. And it's grown, um, as well on a, uh, on a global or online platform since as well. So it's been a cool journey, man. Yeah, definitely. The quality and content on the YouTube channel is, is really great. How much help do you actually have with the video part of it? Is that a lot on your own? You got guys helping you? Like, how big is so, your team, shall I yes. ask? No, for, that's a really good question. So I've started to build out my team now um, just because, frankly, with training so much and right. doing all my own stuff, it's almost impossible to make a ton of content. So I've been getting a couple content guys on board. Um, historically, I'll say it before I was mm, – this year or last year, I really had no help. So it's just all kind of me grinding away at it. That's a lot of time on your laptop, right? It's a oh, lot yeah. of time. Yeah, but it's, it's gotten quick too. It's, it's, it's just like basketball, man. When, when you edit so yeah, many yeah, videos, I was, I was blessed enough to start it when I was young, when I had time in high school and stuff. So, and then it just, yeah. it's like clockwork now, but still even 30 minutes to an hour a day on my laptop editing, I could be using you know, to do a lot more valuable stuff. Um, but I do think it is a very central part to my, to what yeah. I do. Um, just putting out the content, everything and having that be accessible to everyone. So it's fun, but now I'm starting to uh, bring some people on board from a marketing perspective, from a training kind of assistant trainer perspective and from in the next couple of weeks or months here, a uh, full-time content creator. So content's only going to go up from here. Yeah. The, the YouTube, the content is great. I mean, great quality. Um, fantastic. Obviously, you built a great following. Um, skill development is something I'm really passionate about. Uh, even like I'm done with my basketball career, but I still yeah. work out to this day. People on Instagram oh, yeah. see me; they, you know, it's just fun. Like I just enjoy oh, improving the skills of basketball. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the word nerd, so we can nerd out a little bit. I Let's came across it. your YouTube video, the Kyrie finishing video, right? And um, I wanted to say that everybody focuses on repping out jump shots everybody works on their handle, but do you think there's an under emphasis on actually repping out finishes? No, a hundred percent. I mean, I think it's, it's harder to do in a, in an environment by yourself because everybody can finish on, on a, on a ghost defender. I'll say like, if you're by yourself in a workout, it's tough to really challenge yourself unless you get outside of the box, which is something that, uh, I've actually been hated on a lot on Instagram before for, for challenging, teaching players how to tap challenge or finishing um, when they're by themselves. But one thing that I really, really put an emphasis on is like, hey, you're going to get your shooting reps in um, with your team by yourself. But especially when I have group workouts, I'll have players doing finishing on each other. Um, just different types of layups, different types of um, floater, runner variations yeah. um, for a good amount of time, um, especially if it's a group that I think can make some strides in that area. So I think these days, especially with threes and layups becoming kind of the two sides of the yeah. spectrum and the mid range dying a little bit, I'm still a big proponent of the mid range. Um, but you know, you got to go with the trends of the game a little bit. So I think teaching players to finish 
with body control, uh, with kind of creative options and just kind of adapt around the rim and make those tough finishes um, is extremely valuable and something that I think we kind of naturally shy away from because we don't really know how to challenge ourselves in those. Well, we areas. think, I think people think that they'll just get into a game and it's a shot that's close. So they'll be able to make it. Yeah. But I think there exactly. needs to be more of an emphasis on actually beating help defenses like euros yeah. and floaters and actually repping that out. Like game situation stuff is great, but actually getting like 50 reps in a row of a floater or of a Euro yeah. finish, you know, like yeah, to warm yeah. up. No, for sure. For sure. And then, but the thing is with that, um, is and this is the funny part about it is if you're doing a euro with no defense then that def you get in the game with defense and you're like yeah. oh because <laughs> like, i you know well, we all know those players who are like they become training robots and i was one of these players um where like i'll just rep out everything on cones and air um and then you get in a game and you're like wow this cone wasn't seven foot trying to come over and beat my shot off the backboard um, so I do think the repetition is big, but preferably we have that repetition against defense. Um, yeah. which is why I'm so big on just group workouts and working out with other people, because ultimately that's how it's going to be in a game. Well, yeah, the biggest thing for that is, is, uh, playing your sport, which is so important. Yeah. Like oh, you have 100%. to, you have to combine the skill development with playing your right. sport. Uh, it's so very important. And I actually want to talk about this with you. I think yeah. like in today's game, with especially the youth, you feel like you disagree, you could chime in. I feel like skill levels up, athleticism is up, but maybe feel for the game is slightly down. Yeah. I don't know if you would agree with that. And how would you work with your players outside of, of course, playing your sport, which should be the obvious. How do you work with them on developing their feel for the game? No, I think that is true. I think skill levels definitely up there. Athleticism is crazy. I saw a kid at a middle school tournament uh, this past weekend, bounce the ball to himself off the ground in transition and punch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah All yeah, right, yeah, this is, this is getting yeah. a little different. We were, we were hyping somebody smacked the backboard in eighth grade, um, even just a few years ago. But no, I think the feel for the game is down primarily because a lot of players are becoming robotic in the sense that they're always working in a team system and they, they're, not, they're not playing that kind of unstructured pickup game where they can try new things and they can um, make some tougher passes. They're kind of forced into a system at a really young age, mm. which helps them learn that system. So if they're playing with an AAU team or a travel team or even a middle school or elementary school team, they, they're learning those plays, but they don't have that kind of unstructured environment where they can now um, experiment and learn general patterns rather than kind of predetermined plays in a sense. Um, so one thing I like to do a lot is one, um, and you, you refer to this, is just play the sport more, but play in a, feel free to go to the park and, and hook. Yeah, I mean like, yeah, that's how I grew up. Like just yeah. playing no, in the park. And then you learn some of the skill stuff at basketball camp, but you know, we, it was a lot yeah. of playing basketball, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something that it's become so organized for better or for worse. There are obviously the, the pros to that because you get a lot of skill development and um, this, like, as you mentioned, the skill level is higher now. Cons to that are a lot of players are boxed in from a young age. Again, they start to become a little bit robotic because they're not trying those new things. They don't kind of figure stuff out for themselves like we did when we were just kind of hooping at the park, right. recess before school, after school. Um, and I think when you talk to a lot of the best players, they haven't been training since they were 
five years old. They're like, yeah, I mean, I started training when I got to high school and stuff, but before that, I was just hooping. Um, yeah. And I think that's where a lot of that feel for the game comes into play. And that's why a lot of my workouts are somewhat unstructured in the sense of like, hey, I'm not going to tell you what move to do. I'm mm -hmm. going to put you in a one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three situation. And we're just going to, we're going to supplement that unstructured play for you. Yes, I'll still do a lot of your standard skill development stuff, but I think, and I kind of view my gym now as a place where players, regardless of age, can come in and start to get that unstructured play or it's like a playground if you will right exactly and they get to experiment they get to yeah. create they get to not feel boxed in by a coach who's sitting on the sidelines yelling at if they try something that they're not really good at yet because we all need a place to try new stuff at before we really pull it out in the environment that matters and that's kind of how i pride myself on uh running this gym yeah i kind of think of the ball brothers when i think of this as well yeah. like they weren't built in a skill development lab and right. there's some great players that actually oh, yeah. Their games are like they were built at a skill development app yeah. in a skill development lab. Like Jason Tatum comes to mind. Bradley yeah. Beal comes to mind. I mean, they're obviously great, but they're different than like LaMelo and Lonzo in yeah. the sense their that. Their feel is crazy. Yeah, it's like their feel is crazy. You could just tell up. They grew up hooping, hooping. Not yeah. saying that Jason and Bradley didn't, but you could kind of see the difference of right. where their emphasis kind of is, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's a really good point. And I think a lot of what you'll notice about like, the best players who aren't really physically gifted is they just hooped a lot. They always make the right decisions. Um, so, you know, obviously, LaMelo is somewhat of a freak athlete in the sense that he's tall, he can move. Yeah, yeah. He got good. He got the quick feats. Like, he got the no, feats, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lonzo is, I would say, a below average NBA athlete. Um, Do you think so? I, I would say I would say average. I would okay. say average. He sizes he his feet well. He could he yeah, get yeah, up yeah. and down. Yeah. He's nimble. Yeah. But for an NBA point guard, I would say he's average. Okay. Um, but I think that just goes back to that decision making, that feel for the game yeah. that allows him to kind of adapt and, and be a, a really good NBA player without having that Russell Westbrook athleticism. Um, and that's probably a testament to how much he just grew up hooping and playing one on one and random three on three games and all this stuff. And the, even at the high school level, level, you'll find those players who are just, they're not crazy athletic, but, you know, Luka Doncic too. Dude's not athletic. I, you, I would know, argue you know one thing about him, that. though, is I think his athleticism is somewhat it, underrated because is, of, one, how strong he is, and, how, and two, of how he decelerates. Yes, no, he's unbelievably athletic. Yeah. But in the standard sense, right, explosive, right. I would say. He's yeah. not the fastest. He's not LeBron. He's right, not, exactly. you know, he's yeah. not your, like, oh. He's athletic. It's like a very subtle but unbelievable athleticism. But right, right. I mean, he's been playing with grown men since he was 14. Right, right. Um, and again, that's not the unstructured play, but I guarantee you, Luca didn't come up with all these moves and, and didn't develop this creativity through only playing in a system since he was five years old. Yeah, somebody um, gave him the green light, just like LaMelo and Lonzo, exactly, you know, which his exactly. father gave them the super green light. Yeah, no, and that, and, helped, their, yeah. And that helped their creativity. A hundred percent. And for most players, the green light is no, no coach telling you what to do because you're at the park or you're at a rec center and you give yourself the green light because you don't have <laughs> right, to right, go right. over to the sideline and be like, oh, is that a bad shot? You can shoot whatever you want to try. Which, which sometimes makes the run bad if everybody got the green oh, light right in their head. <laughs> you got to You got to pick your poison a little bit. Right, right. All right. So let's shift to this. Um, how do you find the sweet spot with your players in terms of, okay, so obviously – to get better, you have to work on your game. You have to do it a lot, but then also you don't want them to overtrain. 
So how do you find that for your players? Yeah, I think overtraining can come in a few forms, uh, a physical one, a psychological one, and then a skill balance type of one. So what I mean by skill balance is that's the most confusing one is if you're overtraining in the standard sense of like repping out moves, repping out shots, repping out this and that, that is where we can start to get into like kind of like we referred to a little bit, the uh, kind of robotic style of play. Um, so two things I do to mitigate that is one, um, tell them to go play or supplement it with live play like we were just talking about. So I won't go too deep into that. But right. number two is making a lot of skill development or making a lot of training skill development live play itself. So the live play is the skill development. So like a lot of the live play will do or a lot of the training will do are one-on-one situations, are two-on-two situations. So now you're kind of mixing the skill development, which is typically we view it as repping out shots or um, doing your standard ball handling drills. Now we're doing different types of competitions with other players. So you're getting the play and you're getting the skill yeah, development that's great. in one. Yeah. Um, so that's why a lot of my workouts, I would say 75% of my workouts are, are live in some way where you're reacting to something, playing against another player, um, at least in a group setting. Because um, I know every player is going to go out on their own and get their standard reps. Yeah. Um, not every player, but that's typically not my job unless you're coming in for a private session, which is way different. But I like to appro- uh, approach it from kind of a group setting. Um, and then the kind of physical and mental overtraining barriers are I've experienced it. A lot of players have overexperienced it where you're just going for five hours a day because you love the game. Like you said, it's fun for us. We, we enjoy seeing the process of us improving and feeling like we're outworking everyone and we start to burn out a little bit. Yeah, you need balance. Um, I think yeah. balance is the key, yeah. And balance is the key. List, teaching players or glorifying because everyone's going to get on social media the standard. And look, I love – Gary V and all those guys, but the standard like grind, 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 Kobe Bryant, wake up at 3.38. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a, I mean, you always need balance, but there's a different kind yeah. of grind between Gary V and let's yeah. say Kobe. I don't want to compare Kobe to anybody really. You know, Kobe's yeah. Kobe. But I mean, physically, you need more, you need mental rest too, but you really can't be in right. the gym for more than two, two exactly. or three hours. You could actually like go around talking to people, be on your computer and right. not be all the way burnt out. Like physical hours, activity is hours. different. Exactly. And, that's, you know what I mean? and that's what I like to tell players. Like we've built this culture and I think it's coming from the standard like entrepreneur um, who's like, hey, you need to be working 12, 13 hours a day. And I do that and I'm okay with that because I don't need the physical rest. We literally can't push our body 12, 13 hours a day. And if you are doing it, you know, I'm obviously 12, 13 hours a day is out of the question. But most times when you're working out for five, six hours a day, at yeah. least four of those hours are very poor quality and you're building bad habits. You're just pushing yourself further into overtraining. So yeah. I think glorifying, taking care of your body, glorifying um, e- shorter, efficient workouts 100%. is the key for me. I, I, you know, just education, even telling players like, hey, these are what you'll start to feel when you're getting into this um, overtraining or what we call it is functional or non-functional overreaching, which is essentially you need to push yourself to a certain extent. That's functional overreaching. Non-functional overreaching is, hey, I'm going too far and I'm actually seeing diminishing returns because I'm not getting any better from this. Yeah. Um, 
So like, here's the difference up, or here's the difference between the two. When you start to feel this, come to me, we'll talk about what you can do to kind of scale back a little bit and then just kind of glorifying like rest and recovering and um, enjoying some time off. If you take a Sunday off, it's you, nobody's passing you if you've been going hard all week. So yeah, it's kind of educating players on that, I would say, is, is the big key. And also there's ways to slightly work out even though you're resting. Like let's say yeah, your legs yeah. are dead, like do a few pull-ups, stretch out, yeah. you know, like yeah. – read a book, like, you know, yes. you can exercise. I mean, that's exercising your mind, but no, right. you know when to, put, you know, press the pedal and when to press the brakes, you know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So um, everybody's working on their games these days, right, in terms of yeah. skill development. I think what separates players these days is kind of what they do off the court, maybe, maybe possibly mm -hmm. with athletic development, and I know you're into that mm -hmm. as well. Um, I thought when I was playing overseas, what really – took me to the next level. I was always good in transition, but then I started hill sprints and I feel like that took me even to the next level in terms of speed and everything. Like that's something I felt that gave me the edge. I even did it in season. Is there anything that you, that comes to the top of your mind that could give players the edge outside of skill development? Yeah. I mean, I think, so I'll say strength and conditioning is such a, such a, or a young field that we're still figuring stuff out you know, yeah. every year. There's Which so is so fun, to, right? Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's so yeah. fun to be a part of because you're always on your toes and learning. And, um, and trying to create new things. As right, well. exactly. And yeah. skill development is too, um, which is a story for another time that most people consider skill, de skill development to be fixed. We already know everything, but that's... Story there's nothing in life like that. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing. Um, but again, I can rant about that for days. Um, strength and conditioning though is unbelievably young. And I think embracing new methods and not only sticking to your coach's coach's weight training plan from the 1960s right. is, is huge. Um, Bench press, bicep curls. Uh, exactly. Which is all squat. great stuff. It's all great no, it stuff. Is. It yeah. is. I squat my players. I have my players bench. But there are so many new ways we can integrate the research and be creative. And I think yes. – Embracing some of these things on the on the perform, athletic performance side is huge, um, and training not only for performance but for injury prevention because yeah you know the best ability is availability especially in today's NBA and even youth um, environments where basically everyone gets hurt at some point because everyone's been playing and repeating these same patterns for 14 years before they get to the NBA. And that, that adds up. You start to see where we're starting to see a ton of injuries at every level. Um, so doing things to mitigate this, I think, and this is not something I'll spend a crazy amount of time on, but I think playing other sports, especially as a younger athlete, is one of the best things you can do. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say we spend too much time on it when we're older. I definitely think going out and playing a game of soccer or flag football or yeah you know when I, when I was playing overseas we used to play yeah. soccer with the basketball like before yeah. the practice started no, you know, that was actually the part best of the warm -up. practice that's yeah. the best warm-up you can have I do that yeah. with my players probably once a week just okay that's dope. soccer ball and yeah. I'm like yo just go play because yeah. five ten minutes in you're gassed you feel amazing and you're ready to go you're smiling um and I think that could help not only overtraining but now we're exposing ourselves to different movements so we're not just continuously beating away the same movements that we've been doing for 14 years now. But especially from a skill development standpoint or a skill acquisition standpoint, as a 
middle school, even early high school kid and younger than that, like playing other sports is the best thing you can do because you're now becoming a more well-rounded athlete. You're now starting to take everything from these other sports, soccer, hey, maybe the lateral movement, maybe seeing these gaps, taking all these kind of qualities. And even if you're not playing at a crazy amount, um, just kind of exposing yourself to these things is huge. Um, and then I think lastly is just the, uh, and I, this is becoming bigger and bigger in, in a mainstream sense, but the mental training side of things. Yeah. Um, I used to think that 70% or basketball, 70% mental mantra was, was, but I'm starting to see it more and more every day where you can have the most skilled player in the world who is terrible because he's not right up here. Or bro, I've seen, have, bro, I've seen seven footers that could handle yeah. shoot and they're not good at basketball. And they're, yeah. They're terrible. They're terrible. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I've seen players who are really um, subpar, but everything up from their neck up, in other words, their brain is, is working the right way. They're confident. They, they don't think about everything. They don't overthink and they're killing it. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the guys who have the great feel and the great IQ and everything. Right. You could rep, you could rep out movements with them to get them better. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned two things that they do overseas a lot, actually. Um, a lot of one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, more mm. two-on-two and three-on-three full court, big, yeah. which is so fun. Yeah. And um, the soccer thing, like yeah. we played, we played soccer in practice. Speaking That's of a, overseas, a guy that played overseas, Josh Giddy comes to mind when I think of this, who has mm. tremendous feel for the game. Yeah. But I would say that, he can't yet get his shot off in situations that a lot of other NBA players could get his shot off just because he doesn't have the transition from yeah. his dribble to his jump shot in a smooth fashion mm. yet. Yeah. If you had Josh getting in the gym, how would you work on that with him or any player for that matter? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I would say find, I mean, this sounds unbelievably obvious and simple but finding a, a way to speed him up naturally is how we have to attack it and there are a couple ways we can do that number one is um playing some kind of contested shooting games or drills that would force him to do that or he gets blocked um okay yeah that makes sense. Sometimes, you know so if you have someone head hunting you it's like you're never going to run faster than a lion chasing you like point blank period. Right. Same thing here. You're never going to shoot faster than if you're about to get the crap blocked, blocked out of you it, by someone running across the court trying to block your shot. And why one-on-one um, -on -one is so important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I think that's one thing. Um, number two is just kind of, and this is, it's hard to explain. It's kind of easier said than done, but like, um, or easier done than said, but, um, certain drills where I'm putting them into different situations to speed up the pickup. So for example, I have them go into a wrap and then as quickly as possible, pick up that wrap from like the other side of their body, that other hip into the shot and kind of encouraging them to do it in a, in a fashion where they're losing the ball. Sometimes they fumble it. Sometimes I think a lot of players are too comfortable in workouts to the sense we're like, I don't want to mess up everything I've been doing for my last 10 years of training has been the coach is going to yell at me if I mess up. So players aren't really comfortable speeding stuff up to the point where um, they're actually improving that skill. So certain moves that we'll get into or certain drills we'll get into where they're really picking it up and trying to get that ball from the ground or the dribble into the shot as quickly as possible. You'll see players where 
they try to pick it up and the ball goes flying across the gym because right. they're starting to speed that up so much, getting that ball into their shot pocket. So I would say supplementing with a, a decent amount of that, but mainly just like contested shooting where, um, you know, I would have, if I, if I was just training him or any, any pro guy of that nature, just have like either myself or an intern just really trying to just block that shot and he has to get it off quicker. Um, and without doing that, then he gets immediate feedback of, hey, if I get my shot blocked, it's probably too slow. Let me try to speed it up. Yeah. Um, so I think that's simple fix, but we can really get creative with it for sure. Yeah. Well, players like him, his feel is so good. Once he yeah. acquires that skill, oh yeah, he'll be able to implement it really easily, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that'll be, it'll, he'll be, he'll really start killing once he gets that down. Yeah. Okay. So give me one thing. Give me one thing that you believe about skill development that others might think is crazy. Ooh, that is, I could probably list off like 10 things, um, but I'm trying to think of something really drastic. That's an amazing question. All right. I'll start with, I'll start with the fact that, all right, this is probably the, the best one um, and one that always kind of creates arguments. Everything we do on the skill development side doesn't have to be something that we're doing directly in a game. Um, and I don't, I'm not the type of guy who is doing like really crazy stuff, um, but I do think there is some value to stretching past our limits a little bit um and not only just repping out one dribble pull up shooting spot up threes especially because when we're in and this is mainly when we're in the gym by ourselves but we have to find some way to challenge us um so for example like i'll tell players who i'm trying to think of the best example so we i was kind of referring to this earlier in the podcast um but challenging finishing by ourselves is really tough because there's no defense, right? We're not forced to contort our bodies in midair to um, avoid defenders or to not get our shot blocked. So how do we train finishing in that individual environment? So I'll do some things where I'll, I'll have players throw like an oop to themselves, like they're about to dunk and they have to figure out different ways to finish, right? We're not going to do that in a game, but now – and this is kind of the strength of performance coach in me. I'm seeing the qualities behind the movement or like the puzzle pieces that go into it. So now we're challenging the body control or the coordination to finish in a tough environment. We're challenging the different takeoffs and kind of having to adjust last minute and finish different ways. I'll even throw in some audio cues or what we call audio cues in there where player will throw it to themselves, they'll catch, and then I'll say either left or right, and they have to finish with that hand because Again, we're not going to be doing this in a game, but it's some way that we can force ourselves to adapt and react and challenge ourselves a little bit um, that's outside of just, hey, go up to the rim and do this finish. And they make 10 out of 10 because it's an effing layup with no defense. Um, so I'm kind of of the belief that, like, we can stretch outside the box a little bit. We can get creative in the sense that everything doesn't have to be the exact movements that we're doing in a game. Um, Cause at the end of the day, a lot of what we do in workouts, like if I were to shoot a pull up in a workout, isn't even going to look much like a pull up in a game. Yeah. I don't have a hand in my face. I don't have to 
and this is my favorite example, like if I shoot a one dribble pull up in a workout, it's picture perfect, right? If I shoot a one dribble pull up in a game. And you, yeah. And you might get that uh, once in a while. Yeah, might, no, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and, and that's why I'll still. So, sometimes you got to rep it out because yeah, you exactly. get the easy one once and in a while. That's something you, that you players are correct, can, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. they'll, they'll get those reps. That's something that, like you said, every player is working on the game now. If you can't go to a shooting machine or get a buddy to rebound for you and you guys get the perfect reps, then that's on you. Because to me, if you're giving me money to train you, I don't want to do what you can do by yourself. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So, you know, that's where I try to get a little bit creative. I try to do things that um, force players outside of their box a little bit and and aren't the perfect reps because those are harder to get. So, you know, I'll have yeah. players bait a little bit on on pull-ups. I'll have them shoot from different release points, like they're trying to avoid a, um, a hand in their face. I'll have them shoot from different footworks because I know they're going to get those perfect reps. And if they're not, then that's not on me. I'm not your personal rebounder. I'm here to actually get you better in a game setting, um, which most times is an imperfect setting. So... I could go again on about that for days, but that's kind of my general belief. And I do think a lot of what we do should be most of what we do. The vast majority of what we do should be things that are closely mimicking what we do in games. Yeah. But especially when you're by yourself in the gym or I'm with you and it's just me and a player, we got to step outside that box a little bit and challenge you. A little bit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, get making those tough shots. We could go back to it again. Like you have to play your sport. And you, you might you might find this funny. I used to make once in a while just for Instagram those trainers be like videos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, <laughs> oh yeah. But I would say like for me personally, I used to experiment with stuff that doesn't maybe really look like a game, and it definitely wouldn't be the bulk of my workout. But I would yeah. like to throw it in there maybe in my warm up, you know, while yeah, I warm yeah. up, do some two ball, two basketball stuff, and like different things that might not look for a game, but. Right. The bulk of it would, you know, be some like game type stuff, but I do think yeah. there's value in that. And I think it's important to experiment. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So you've learned so much after your playing career, looking back, what would you have done differently? Not saying you had any regrets because you didn't have the same information that you have now, yeah, yeah. but what would you have done differently with your own game? Man, I think I am a living, breathing example of, how not to train <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know again like like you mentioned I, I don't have any regrets because I think the way I trained and um that's kind of helped me see everything from a all right we got to get away from this perspective and see how things can not go wrong because obviously I um was a d2 d3 level player ultimately that just decided to go to the go the training route um but I think looking back is the easiest way to kind of contrast what I believe now against your standard workout. So everything I did was, and again, I was that player that wanted to work out so much. So one, I, I 1000% overtrained um, in the sense of like, I was just doing too much and that probably caused me to see diminishing returns. But a lot of what I did since I was mostly by myself and since I enjoyed being by myself working out was just very like, I'm going to do this move on this cone, this move on this cone. And I got really good at the drills, but I didn't get better at the game. Um, and I think that's a tricky situation where if it feels like you're getting better at your drills, you feel like you're making progress when in reality, you're only getting better at the drills, not the game. 
So yeah, you want you want to get better at basketball, not better at skill development. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perfect way to put it. So looking back, I mean, I was training four or five of my teammates, and you know, I had the ultimate resources in the sense of I was the only player that didn't go D1 on my high school team. So getting any of those guys in the gym with me who were all down because I was training them anyways for the most part and doing I would be in the gym with them and we're all doing cone drills rather than me doing what I do now, which is like, hey, let's do some contested shooting. Hey, let's do some layups on each other instead of doing picture perfect wide open layups. We're making 10 out of 10. Um, So I think just and, and I did become kind of that robotic player where I get into a game and I'm like overthinking everything i'm like oh my god like this this isn't what i've trained i'm I, i'm not getting better at the game i'm getting better like you said at skill development so just being able to implement like um or if i was able to implement kind of the live work that i do now or stepping outside the box a little bit um definitely would have but again i think coming from that background of um doing everything very kind of robotic and pre-planned which it, it's understandable um but i think that helps me see how it feels to do your kind of standard training in a sense. And then without straying too far from it, being able to kind of innovate and come up with new ways to train um, and ultimately do more things in workouts against defense. Cause that, again, that would have helped me so much. I feel like if I was constantly working out against defense, making reads and getting better at the actual sport. So, I mean, you mentioned that you said you felt like you were somewhat robotic. Do you feel like your balance was a little bit off when it came to, as we've been talking about playing your sport and then maybe also adding, you know, actually, and some people actually have the feel for the game, the skill, but then they don't do enough on the athletic development side. It's all about balance in my opinion. Do you, do you feel that you were balanced enough in your approach? I, it's tough to say. I, clearly wasn't because I was robotic, but I did play a lot of pickup. You know, I, obviously we, we practiced a lot. I was playing pickup mostly every day, but um, I was doing so much training that it kind of neutralized that so much like on air pre-planned robotic training. And I do think that it's different for every player because I'm a very analytical person. So doing that type of training, probably I'm more sensitive to it than the player that's like, ah, F this. Like I just, I just go out and hoop. If they go out and do drills like that, it probably won't affect them as much because they're just – they already have that crazy good feel for the game. But Well, yeah, the reps could help them actually though because yeah. they have yeah, the yeah. feel. But you know, right, exactly. every, it's almost like diagnosing what this player needs. Right. 100%. Like some people need a more emphasis on the skill development side. Some yep. people need to play their sport more. Yep. Some people have those two and need the athletic side. Some people have all of those, but the mental is messed up. Right. Like no, you just exactly. need to find that balance for a player. The missing link and then attack that. Yeah. So I think my missing link was de- definitely the uh, decision-making and kind of mental side. And I think I was going very hard at the skill development side, which did kind of throw off the balance. Um, I also think I went probably too hard in terms of um, the athletic performance side, since I was so in love with it. I just trained way too much and I never saw results because I was overtraining. Then it's funny, once I stopped playing and I get to, to college and I'm like mainly just focusing on training, um, training others, that is, I stopped lifting so much. I'm still obviously, you know, hour every day, but kind of more efficiency-based lifts. 
Yeah. Um, I'm hooping three, four days a week. I'm not really doing any drills. And then I probably got two times better just off yeah. of never doing drills, hooping, and um, doing less in the weight room, which is that, – that was one of those realizations to me. I was like, all right, there's got to be something here. Play the sport more. Um, be more efficient in your, in your athletic performance. Find that sweet spot. Um, and emphasize those two things for players like me. So, you know, whenever I train a player like myself, I can see it. Um, you can see it right away, right? Right away. You know, yeah, I have some yeah. kids who come in the gym and I can tell they're overthinking. I can tell how hard they work and how much they want it. But because of that, it's almost like a, um, it almost works against them in a sense. And I have that conversation with them like the first day. I'm like, look, buddy, I was you come in here. We're going to do a lot of live work. Go hoop. Don't yeah. do as many like standard by yourself workouts and they um, come to you thinking they're going to do all that that's the funny yeah, exactly. thing <laughs> exactly exactly i'm like oh you are in for a surprise right um, right but it's always funny working with, with kids like that yeah most definitely and i would say that like what you were doing back then might not have it wasn't the best time allocation i would say but it probably did build some mental fortitude in yourself yeah and, yeah, and it prepared sure. you to do what you're doing today and putting all right. that time in it and being focused. So no, there was some benefit for it, you know, oh, no, like, 100%. like, like when I was nine playing in the snow and like yeah. my hands were freezing. Right. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> even think I've, I don't think I've ever had the robotic problem. Like I think, you know, my feel was always pretty good, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say those times helped me today. Not that that playing in the snow was really helping my game. Like I can hardly feel my hands, but just, yeah. I think the mental fortitude of it yeah. really helped me, you know, Go no, forward and do 100. things after basketball and even in basketball. No, exactly. There's always like that kind of pushing through that and finding out different things and still having a decent high school career and, and a, you know, a top 10 team in the country was uh, that was a really good way to not only develop psychological qualities, but also build connections and understand the game. And um, there are so many things I can can attribute to. Um, that journey um, that kind of helped me in the last six or seven years as I've kind of taken it more towards the strictly training sense. Yeah, working on my game and playing now is really fun after my career. I mean, yeah. it was obviously yeah. fun during it, but because I don't have to work in like uh, the, the team practices anymore. No, <laughs> it's exactly. my recovery part of it. I could just exactly. like, you know, play ball when I want, work out when I want, oh, rest so when fun. I want. It's cool. It's, it's so like, fun. I don't know. It's just, there's less structure, which makes it like really fun, even though, of course, I enjoyed my playing, playing days as well. No, exactly. But then I think that's an interesting point is like less structure, more fun. Yeah. Those two things strike me as things that we could start to integrate into your standard high school athlete. I think college is a big one. Like I think oh, it's, ve it's very rigid, right? Even to it this is. day. It is. And I think so many high school coaches are beginning to look at colleges and want to say, we're going to get you ready for college and implement the rigid nature of college for your four years of high school. And at that point you hate basketball because it's like, Hey, I've been in these rigid programs for eight years. You know, I've never really get a chance to play pickup, never get a chance to have fun. And that can't be good for any player's development. So even down here, like in Miami, we got most high school teams that, practice five days a week the entire summer they start playing games in September and I'm like where's the time for players to you hear it all the time where's the time for players to develop where's the time for players to go out and hoop and 
go to some open runs and have fun and play in an unstructured environment. That's why I think a lot of players these days have, don't have that um, feel for the game, which again, circles back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Most definitely. I was in Miami not too long ago. Hopefully I go again soon. We could get a workout in, man. Oh yeah. No, you got to, <laughs> got to, I'm down. All right. So uh, where can we find you on social media? Tell them more about the YouTube page before we get yeah, out man. of here. And uh, yeah, where could they, where could the listeners find you? Where could combo nation find you? Oh yeah. No, they can, they can find me uh, on Instagram at by any means basketball. Um, this gym also is at detail.mia. Um, so feel free to follow both of those. YouTube is by any means basketball. Pretty much everything is by any means basketball. Um, and my personal page is at Coleman.airs. Trying to build that up a little bit as well, you know, get the followers up. So follow him, man. man. Follow uh, him. Make oh sure. yeah. Oh yeah. No, I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, man, I, I appreciate the time and having me on here. It's always great talking with fellow hoop heads. So uh, enjoyed it a lot, and and I appreciate it. Most definitely. Shouts to Josh as well, man. Yes, sir. Big shout out to Josh. Big shout out. Thanks, Cole. Talk soon. Yes, sir. There it is. Another episode of Combo's Court is in the books. Thank you to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Thank you to Coleman for joining in on this episode of Combo's Court. You could find Coleman on Instagram at by any means basketball. You know you can find me on Instagram at one two combo. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combo's Court. If you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, leave a five-star rating, a friendly comment, and punch down on that follow button. It would mean the world to me if you share this episode, share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter, share it on Instagram, and tag me so I could see it. And that's it, man. Be on the lookout for episode. 318 combo out.